Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome to another episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. My name is Nick Bondi, as always, joined by my brilliant co-host, Lachlan Irvin. Lachlan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, it's a good week. It's a good week for hockey. You're get, we're getting back into the swing of things. Um, lots of lots of lots of training camp stuff to talk about. Obviously, lots of uh, lots of uh, contract stuff still to go through. But uh, we're getting closer and closer to the season, closer to what we uh, expect to see from the final team right now. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're getting to the point where some serious decisions are going to have to be uh, made by the Vancouver Canucks, and we'll get into that. We'll also get into we'll start off with the Pedersen and Hughes contract. A little a little spit on the Pedersen Hughes contract negotiation talk because I think it's still it's still hanging out there. And uh, we'll end the show with our usual training camp battle. Uh, this time talking about our favorite or our preferred top six line combinations. But yeah, let's get let's get started with the uh, with some Pedersen and Hughes contract negotiations talk. Uh, first of all, before we get into that, I, are you familiar with the DefCon system, Lachlan? I am slight. I think I'm you learn about with, in like, socials the movie class version point. of it. I'm I'm familiar with like the movie version of it. Like every every move every like action movie uh, has like some sort of like oh we're going to DefCon too, and but yeah. it's always like. Very so, like it's yeah, so, so DEFCON is what the US military uses for like their preparedness. So it's goes from five to one. Five is sort of alert, and DEFCON DEFCON one is you know, the nukes about to drop, get ready, right? Like it's kind of that. So DEFCON five, DEFCON one. Where are you with the Elias Patterson negotiations in terms of your panic level? Are we at DEFCON five, DEFCON one, somewhere in between? Where are we at? I think right now, um, I'm about at a I would say DEFCON two or three like a three okay, at pretty close pretty close i i am doing i'm doing all i'm like i again i don't think anyone is under the i think i would only be at defcon five say if there was some worry that in some weird universe like they weren't going to show up ever like Defcon one's to, the worst one defcon five oh, defcon one's the worst one. Oh, god damn it okay. trick you there okay Okay, so actually, sorry. So actually, then I should say four to th- four or three. I'm on the uh, on on the other side. Like it's you know, I, there's no worry that they're going to not go, uh, that they're not going to like show up ever, and that they're not going to become be Vancouver Canucks at some point this season, right? I am mostly just. It's mostly the worry is entirely on when it happens, and frankly, like what that term looks like. I think. Right now, it's looking a little bit dicey in terms of the long-term hope for that contract. But as far as actually getting them to play, and as far as this season is concerned, it's still there's still lots of time. Yeah, terrible podcasting, but I agree 100 percent with you. Uh, I'd be like around DefCon four, uh, DefCon three right now. Uh, in terms of where my my personal panic button is, last time we talked about this, uh, I said the panic button was on the other side of my room here. I, I could walk to it, press it. The panic button's a bit closer now. It's about. It's not like a full walk. It's maybe a couple steps away. Not on my desk yet. I'm not willing to press the panic button this, uh, just yet. When in, ter- in, in terms of uh, Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes, but you know we had this discussion uh, briefly. I think on yesterday's episode, and I want to get into it a bit more, Lachlan. So you know, there's all these rumors about Travis Hamonic maybe opting out 
uh, of this season, retiring even because of, you know, rumors are the COVID, the COVID vaccine and the COVID related protocols uh, for the NHL players uh, this season. So if that happens, you got the, Jim Benning, the Vancouver Canucks have an extra $3 million in cap space to play with the, the sign of Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes. Now, obviously they can use that cap space and go sign another defenseman. I mean, that, that may be what they do, but if they don't, let's just say, you know what, we'll, we'll take our lumps here. It's unfortunate that Hamannick doesn't want to be a part of the team. They move up, you know, someone like Luke Shannon or what have you and, and, and deal with it that way. But let's say they have an extra $3 million in cap space. What would you, how would you structure those Elias Pettersson? And uh, here, here's how I'll frame it. Because I think if we say, how would you structure the Elise Pettersson and Quinn Hughes deals, we'll come up with the exact same answer. How would you personally structure these Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes deals? And how do you think the Vancouver Canucks will structure them if they do get this extra $3 million to cap this? Again, just speculating. Hamannick has not made a decision, but it's still an interesting question to ask. So if we're looking at the Canucks cap friendly right now, if you look at like their cap, their projected cap space, it says about 13.7 million. It's about that number. Uh, I do, I do believe that as of right now, that doesn't include Michael no. Furlan's IR. You have to wait until the season actually starts to, yeah. for players to go on LTIR, right? Yeah, I I mostly am just not sure like if that counts if they're projected. Yeah, they're yeah. So that would say about it's about seventeen. It was, so you add in the uh, three point five you get from uh, Michael Furland going on IR. Well, that hey, maybe Michael Furland makes a miraculous recovery in the next two weeks and he decides to show up. I'm I, not bet- betting on it though. I yeah, I'm gonna say for I'm gonna say that's a pretty it's a pretty safe bet that he is probably that he's not coming back ever to the to the NHL right now. Um well so that and that puts you at about 17. Uh you and now if you add that now if you add uh Hamannick retiring in uh, retiring or moving on into the mix, that puts you at 20. So that essentially gives you uh that gives you easily about 10 million dollars like uh, that gives you potentially 10 million dollars to split between the two guys between two guys um i think the canucks knowing the canucks they're probably very like they're probably very weary about the idea of um going into the season without uh a replacement for hamnick so i'm sure they would want to allot some of that money to bring in a replacement but let's say they don't i'm going to i mean obviously i would very much like it if they just if they just said look both of these players are going to be worth it no matter what amount of money, like dollar amount you give to them. There's no doubt about it. They're going to be your two best players every time they step on, they step on the ice. I think it's, I think you have, I think you go as long-term as you can and you just give that, you make that just an even split. I think you, and go with the 10 million, go 10 million each. Uh, Maybe you cut it. If you want to like leave a little wiggle room, you say nine, I'm sure. I, I feel like oh, it's, hold up. You, you pay Quinn Hughes more than Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr is making nine. Yes, Kale would. Yeah, would. because because let's let's put it this way: the the if you if the Avalanche lose Kale McCarr, let's say let's say the Avalanche lost Kale McCarr for an extended period of time. Knock on wood. Hope it, obviously you hope that doesn't happen for them. It if they lost him, they still have a pretty good defensive core. It's not as it's not as good. It's definitely not as good as before. But it's still it's not a it's still an okay group. It's still a very okay group. As as we as you look at the Canucks blue line, it's very clear that without Quinn Hughes, outside of maybe like Jack Rathbone, a little bit of OEL, there's not a lot there. 
there's not a whole lot of help of help there and you're kind of in trouble. So I think very, I think what the Hughes camp could really very easily argue is that uh, Quinn Hughes is more important and more valuable to the Canucks success, overall success than Kale McCarr is to the average. Is that extra because- is that extra million for Quinn Hughes gonna keep him more healthy? I'm just curious how your how your logic's working it's out. It's not. Here. It's not necessarily it's not that it's not, but the idea is that it's go- is the idea is that the Canucks are far worse off with are far worse off without him on the roster than uh, the Avalanche are if they happen to not have Kale McCarr there. I think his their this their success the Canucks success is more is more in uh is more uh, in line and like tied to what Quinn Hughes can do because of how he is clearly far and away their best defenseman. I don't think you can, I I think you can very easily make that argument for, for Hughes. And I think it's, I think it's very much going to come and Pedersen in the exact same fashion, right? 10 million is probably about where he's going. Andre Svechnikov, I believe just got about, uh, what was it? 8 million pretty recently. Uh, Kaprizov just got nine or, uh, sorry. Uh, Nine. It was five nine. years, was nine, nine million per. Yeah, five years, nine million. A little bit of a different circumstance with Kaprizov's case, but about the same. Like, but in, in terms of dollar about a dollar amount, that's probably what you're looking at. So ten. Yeah, I think you kind of just split it right down the middle. You go for that long distance, full eight year deal, because uh, I think you can do it with that amount of money. I think in, if we're talking to ten million dollar players, I think very easily you can make the you can get them to sign the long term eight year deal, which will very as it you get farther into their peak years will become and as that cap hit starts to creep back up again or the salary cap starts to creep back up again um you you'll see that deal get better and better so see i think that the long-term comparison if you want to go with quinn hughes is someone like a thomas shabbat from ottawa right like he signed that eight by eight right out of his elc i think that's a compare if you want to go if you're the vancouver Canucks, you want to go long term with quinn hughes that's your comparison so maybe eight year eight eight and a half million dollar deal maybe you can knock it down to seven and a half i don't know but that's the comparison like i i don't i don't i do not agree with paying him more just because that the van the vancouver Canucks would be screwed if uh, if quinn hughes went down of injury right like that's that's not how contract negotiations work you can't base it off oh if this guy's done you're you're, you're screwed right like that's that's not how contract negotiations work in my opinion uh, for, it's for not Elias so much Pettis- about that as it is like I'm. I, I would say it's more just in line with the fact of like I know it's different for Quinn Hughes because he's not in an RFA. But well, it's you can argue the like, same thing know. about Thomas Shabbat. Thomas, the, yeah. the Senators would be screwed without Thomas Shabbat if, if he went down long term. I I guess my question for you is if you're going, let's say you go the, let's say like you're you you're the GM, you're offering eight by eight, and the Hughes camp comes back and says uh, we really want nine. Are you going to? set a hard line on eight or are you going to just meet are you going to be like fine like i guess my question is how much are you really going to negotiate on that number like if it really is i would if you're gonna go not if you're gonna go eight years nine million you're basing it if you're buying off a bunch of ufa years not that you know he's that important to the team i think that i think so i okay i'll 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 backtrack just a bit just a bit i'm not conceding defeat here I just want to make that clear. I'm not conceding the feat. If you're going eight by nine for Quinn Hughes, it's because you're buying out UFA years. Not that he's so important to the team if he went down with injury. So I would go, I would go maybe eight, yeah, eight and a half, nine for long term for, for Quinn Hughes. But I think the long term comparison is a guy like like Thomas Shabbat long term. Uh for Elias Pedersen, you know, with this extra cast base, you you do have the room to go for like an eight-year, nine, nine and a half million dollar deal. Like there's been rumors out there that Elias Pedersen is using 
the uh, the Kirill Thrill Dollar Bill Kirill uh, Kaprizov uh, contract as a comparison, right? So, you know, you go eight years, you can go eight if you're buying off all those UFA years, eight years, nine, eight times nine, and that's you know I'm trying to think like with an extra cap space, that's eight seventeen eighteen million dollars around to, to play with, and you're not going to get capped out. So that's what I would do if I was the Vancouver Canucks. If you know, a gift from the heavens open up and Travis Hamnick decides uh, not not to play this year. What I think will happen is, look, I, I, I still think that there's going to be some sort of bridge deal for at least one of these guys, uh, three years, eight, $8 million $8 million per. I, I can even see, you know, like, it, it's, just, it's just so hot, tough, tough, to, tough to say because, you know, I, I, what I think will actually happen is pretty much dependent on Travis Hamnick and, we still have it's still so much up in the air. Like it, we we said on last episode, uh, it, it's a very fluid situation, right? So if that cap space opens up because of Hamnick, then I can see the Canucks being a lot more willing to go long term with both these guys. If that cap space uh, doesn't open up, then I think you know, I think they're, they're they'll only have to go long term with one of them, or only be able to go long term with one of them. Yeah, which is kind of weird when you think about it, just in the fact of like they're the Canucks are in a way going to get a, like, if this, do, if, if Hamnick does, yeah, does end up retiring, choosing to forego that contract. Uh, the Canucks just so we're clear, just when you opt out, when you opt out of this out. season, sorry, sorry, Lachlan, just to be clear to our listeners, when you opt out of this season, that means that it counts for a year towards the deal, right? So when, if Hamnick, say, Lee opts out this season, decides to come back uh, next season, he'd only have one year left on his $3 million deal. So yeah. he is literally just saying like, don't pay me. I don't want to show up pretty much. Yeah. Which fair enough. If yeah. you made enough money as Travis Hamnick, you can make that decision. I'm not one to turn down $3 million a year, but. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird that we're even in this situation, that we're in the situation where it's like the Canucks essentially, if they want to get a contract done, that's, that makes more sense for the franchises in the future that they're literally having to, hold out hope that a player decides to retire and not play this season. Like they shouldn't, it shouldn't have been this kind of like, it shouldn't have been here. Like they shouldn't need to have this sort of a miracle. They could have done, they could have done decently and they just moved like done a little bit different, done some things a little bit differently uh, here and there. They probably could have avoided this altogether, you know? Yeah. And um, I think for, uh, for Elias Patterson and, and, and Quinn Hughes, obviously, I honestly think they're hoping that Travis Hamannick, uh, kind of says, I, I don't want to play this year. So that way they yeah. both get their long-term deal because that to me is the only way both those guys get the long-term deal and, and the money they want is Travis Hamannick, uh Travis Hamnick decides to opt out. Otherwise, I think I think one of them is getting squeezed for a bridge deal, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Easily, so yeah. Just, yeah, so j- just in a second, we're going to get into who we think our first cuts for NHL the Canucks NHL training camp is going to be because at the time of recording, uh, they haven't they haven't announced any uh, initial cuts yet. But before we do that, I want to talk to everyone about DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. They've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV stream and it brings your live tv and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports movies and shows all in one place that means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again the best part there is no annual contract so get rid of the clutter and the confusion 
and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and they have so many delicious flavors for you to try. They, uh, choices like Cherry barcia, Orange, Strawberry, Cookies and Cream, and Mint Brownie. And if you haven't tried all their flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of their nine flavors. I'm currently going to college. I try to eat a little bit healthier on the go. Sometimes you just need a quick snack. Built Bar is the perfect way to do that because they're great tasting and they're super healthy for you. Ranging from 7 to 18 grams of protein per bar and only 4 to 5 grams of sugar per bar. Order today and you can try the grasshopper cookie or raspberry flavors as well. Just by going to Built.com and using the promo code LOCKED15 you'll get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, so Canucks training camp is in full swing, as we all know. We're recording this Wednesday morning, so the Canucks have not released their official training camp cuts as of yet. We're expecting it, you know, maybe sometime today, maybe even tomorrow, probably before their next uh, their next preseason game on Friday. Um Lachlan, there, there, I think there's some few few names we can say that are definitely going to be, you know, either sent down back to junior to the AHL, what have you, uh, initial cuts. And, you know, it's probably a lot of guys that, if we're being honest, had zero shot of making the team, even if they had like a, a super, super good camp because they'd have to jump over uh, a bunch of guys. But, you know, there is a few names right r- r- right out there. Uh, I think Jet Wu's an, ob- an obvious one, not really you know, breaking uh, any breaking news on, on this one. But I think for someone like Jet Wu, it was obviously going to be tough for him to to make a, the NHL team borderline impossible. He was always, to me, penciled in as a guy who is going to start with the Abbotsford Canucks and, you know, develop that way. I mean, 2018 second-round pick, it's probably a long-term project for a uh, for a guy like that if he figures it out. But who are some of your who are some of your names you're thinking of that, yeah, they're, they're going to be cut or, or be moving on? So, yeah, a lot of the guys that we're going to see probably get whenever the first round of cuts comes through, like it, it's not going to be so much of a, oh, you did bad in training camp or a uh, it's going to be mostly just a, yeah. you know, we there were the, the plan was always that you unless you yeah. like. And it's not like Jet Wu had a super us. and it's not like Jet Wu, like a guy like Jet Wu had a super. I thought he played just as well as a guy like Ole Levy in, yeah, in that game. Hey, did just on, in Abbotsford, he did, right? But it, yeah, he, he, it's just just, he just has a lot of guys that to, to jump over to, to make an NHL team. Yeah, he's still work. He's still working. He's only 21. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of growing left to do, and that's totally fine. I think you're gonna see. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a lot of guys that were already like more or less earmarked for Abbotsford right out of the go, right out of the gate. We probably won't see a lot of say like surprise cuts. I don't know about that. Um, obviously, um, I don't know how how things are gonna go with like say Brady Keeper, for example, who unfortunately broke his uh tibia and fibula on uh, that's a brutal in, injury. The last I, injury. I, I, I know guys who have broken brutal. like. Yeah, I've known guys who have broken like their their tibia and that and top of a fibula. Like it's not, it's a, it's a pretty bad injury. I would say long recovery yeah, time. I, long recovery yeah, time. I know, and I know a lot of people who were uh, who personally who have been like telling me they were very high on like Brady Keeper and they felt like he was a really good like not maybe not like say going to make the NHL team per se, but a guy who could really end up being a surprise as and end up maybe getting a call up later on. So it is such a because he's a pretty hard worker uh, and he's, yeah, it's such, it's such a shame that he got hurt. So, but so yeah, he'll probably end up, you know, they'll probably end up officially moving him to Abbotsford just so he can start like working with trainers and whatnot. 
Um, I think Madison Bowie is another guy that's probably going down. Um, you know, uh, you know, he wasn't going to make the team. They, they, he was picked up last year as an expansion, as an expansion protection guy. Um, he was, uh, he's, he, he did okay. He did fine in like the one game he had, I think against Seattle, he was, he had a, took a bad, I think he took a couple bad, like a penalty, a bad penalty at one point. It, it's again, it's fine. He's, he's just, I think at this point, I think people know exactly what they're getting out of him. He's an AHL vet. That's what he is. And that's okay. That's fine. Um, and you know, I think you'll see guys like, say like John Stevens, Sheldon Rempal, like some of the, some of the, uh, smaller name guys that didn't even know they're at camp. So like that, there you go. Like that goes to show like they didn't have really much of a chance. Yeah. They're yeah. It's very like, and I, again, some people are going to, you know, might read into it and be like, oh, we're saying they did badly. No, it's, it's just a case of, you know, you're already the fact that you're at a Canuck, like at a Canucks training camp means you're in the 1% of great hockey players in the world. Like that's, that's just how it is. So yeah, you're going to get to go. You're going to get to play a lot more ice time at the AHL level, get to keep working on your skills and come back and come back with it and come back, maybe get a call up. If you're, if you end up having a good season, it's entirely, uh, it's entirely possible this year for them. Yeah. And one guy who's probably going to survive the first round of cuts. And I was surprised. And I'm surprised that he probably will survive is a guy like Danila Klimovich, right? Like everything everyone was saying coming out of the draft was this guy's a project. He's raw. He was playing like the Belarusian second division of hockey when they drafted him, right? Like not a super high level uh, hockey league. uh, And uh, they drafted him essentially because they liked what they saw at the U 18 world championship, world junior championships goes to show I'm a big world junior guy. These tournaments matter. You should be basing yeah. all your all your scouting on the world junior, world eight, under eighteen championships. A guy like Danila Klimovich uh, shows up, but it's gonna be it's pretty surprising to me that he's gonna survive probably the first round of cuts. Right, like everything everything this guy or everything people have been saying about this guy is he has the puck skills already. Like I was reading an article from Thomas Grant and Harmon Dial of the uh, Athletic, and they were raving about his puck skills. Like this guy has NHL ready puck skills, which is no, pretty high praise, but they came to the same conclusion I did, which was he has the aim of a stormtrooper, and he's going to have to work on his uh, wrist shot, slap shot accuracy to have any chance of you know developing into a uh, NHL player. But he's you know he's one guy I think is going to surprise is surprising me that he's going to probably survive the first round of cuts. Yeah, he you would think he'd be uh, an immediate thought of just ah oh, he's going to go to junior, he's going to get yeah. This guy. I thought but that right was now was going to be like it was going to be like okay yeah we've seen enough he's got the skills but he's going to have to spend some time at AHL or QMJHL what have you yeah right now he is yeah right now I would argue he's got a good oppor- he's got a good shot if he keeps like going at this pace like dude at the very least like I don't think I don't think there's any chance that he makes the like makes like plays a like the full year in the NHL or anything but I do think it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that you see the Canucks use that like nine game uh, window that they get on uh, the rookies that without burning the first year of their ELC, like just to like see what he can do in a proper NHL game, maybe give him a, a shot or, or at the very least, maybe they send him to the AHL for it uh, and then go to the, and then the queue from there or something. Like, I think it's, I think we're going to see a scenario here where he's going to get some pro games right out of the gate here, whether that's uh, with the Vancouver side or the Abbotsford one. I think you'll see him get that pro opportunity uh, just to show that he can play against uh, like uh, North American professionals. And, and they're not, but they're, and see if maybe it, it is worth keeping him for the first, for the full year of the ELC. I don't know if, I think most likely he's still going to the queue, but the fact that he's even, getting that consideration right now is frankly just a huge 
like it's a huge plus in his uh in his uh resume for his resume right now yeah and uh someone like chase waters is someone who i think is going to survive the uh the first round first of all I'm, I'm surprised it's pronounced waters i thought it was wooters for the longest time and then i was listening to uh to brandon bachelor on on 650 and was pronouncing it chase waters so i'm like okay that's probably I assume he's done his research. If he's uh, he's calling him uh, Chase Waters, but he he's I believe he was an undrafted guy out of uh, Major Junior, right? That the Canucks picked up, and seems like he's gonna survive the first round of cuts. Has a good shot of uh, playing in uh, in Abbotsford next season. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got the Abbotsford. Con- he's got a contract with Abbotsford, like an AHL only deal. Um, but and frankly, again, like if you're, this is why it's so important that they've got the team in Abbotsford now rather than Utica is the fact that there is now a good opportunity that say your team's going to, uh, pluck a few gems here and there, like your AHL team, and that you will have the first, uh, option opportunity to sign to an NHL contract at some point. Like you have that, you have that ability because you gave them the shot. You gave them an opportunity. You're going to get to see a whole lot of them playing alongside your good prospects. Uh, he might be a guy that ends up earning himself in it, like a, a proper NHL contract down the line. You always want to see guys like that, like the undrafted guys, get their get their shot and make it count. Uh, right now, he's look uh, he's looking good. He had a great goal on uh, on Monday. Oh, yeah. uh, he's he's playing he's playing very well. He's playing. Uh, he looked. He looked very uh he looked very comfortable playing against uh a Flames AHL group, obviously maybe against say a team like the like the the Kraken iced on Sunday. Uh you might see something a little bit different, but uh, overall right now, since he's gonna be playing for sure on that farm team, uh the fact that he looked so good against that kind of competition is a great is a great step in the, in the right direction for him. Yeah, and you've seen you know the success teams like uh, Toronto have had with their AHL team uh, so close to their NHL team. I want to stress at least in the regular season. It's not translating the playoffs just yet, but at least in the regular season they've had success with developing uh, guys from their AHL team to the NHL team. I think you know I remember a few years ago going to Toronto and I, and I was shocked like how close, like literally how close it was to where the Leafs play. It was like ten minute drive or what have you. It was a uh, it was pretty interesting. But yeah, no, there, that is one of the big advantages of having a AHL team close to your NHL team is you you probably do get you know the the pick of the litter so to say of, of these undrafted major junior uh, what undrafted what have you guys from all over the world that they're so close uh there's by being so close to the NHL team but I don't think Chase Waters is going to have much of a chance of playing in the top 6 of the Vancouver Canucks uh <laughs> which we're going to talk about in a second but first I want to talk to you about betaline.a G. With a new updated site interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Okay, so we've been uh, ending our um, we've been ending our locked on Canucks episodes. Your first listen of the day with some training camp battles uh, to end our episodes. Uh, the past uh, few past few episodes, and I think this isn't much of a training camp battle, so to say. It's it's loosely a battle, but there's a few guys in there 
for uh, a, a top six role with the Vancouver Canucks. And I would say off the top of my head, there's probably, and this is the good thing about the Canucks this year, there's actually options to move players up and down the lineup. There's probably, I would say there's a solid nine players, eight, nine players who could realistically play in the top six for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Lachlan, in just a second, I'm going to ask you about what your ideal line combinations are uh, for the top six. For me, I, all, all this talk about splitting up the lotto line, we're forgetting how good the lotto line was when they first got together. Keep the lotto line together. That's my that's my thing. I see all these and hope, I don't know if JT Miller, that's a long-term plan for the Vancouver Canucks. They want to keep him at center. Maybe they're just doing it because Elias Patterson's not in training camp. I I think he's a much better winger. JT Miller is in the center. I keep that lotto line together and I put Vasily Podkolzin, Bo Horvat, and Connor Garland on that second line. It's a very vanilla top six. It's not not too many surprises, but I think sometimes you just got to go for the vanilla option and and just go with it. Why are we talking about splitting up the lotto line, Lachlan? I don't get it. Why we're talking about splitting up the lotto line, uh, Nick, is mostly just because of the fact that the Canucks, like like we talked, the this is the first year that the Canucks, frankly, could argue that they don't even have a top six as much as they have a top nine. Like, they actually have three lines that can arguably all carry an offensive load. Like, for the last so many years, it's been a case of a very top-heavy, uh, sometimes, at, at some cases, really just one line with Bo Horvat getting whatever wingers were left available to him. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Bo Horvat. It, he's actually going to have some decent wingers to play with this year. Yeah, he's he's get he keeps getting upgrade. He keeps getting upgraded. It's good for him. Um, it's it's. I think this is a case where the Canucks actually have reason where they don't necessarily need to load up that top that and go with a lotto line per se, where they could maybe spread out spread uh, spread the wealth a bit around which is why i think miller especially is the is the kind of the odd man out in a sense uh just because of the fact that you know elias Pettersson and brock besser are such a perfect fit together that it, it, it there, there doesn't seem to be a scenario where they do where you would want to uh split those two up but um i do think right now i think the i do and i do i do think the odds on favorite right now to make that first line especially from what we've been seeing in camp is nils hoaglander uh, he's young. He's playing very well. Uh, he is a very good fit. He, he is a, again, like I said, in the last one, he's a bit of a light version of JT Miller in a sense. I think he's got a, with a little bit more, with a little bit more of that, like feisty, feisty attitude. I think he's, a. I think he'll do, I think he'd do very well in that first line. And, you know, you look at a situation where you put Bo Horvat on the second line, maybe it's, uh, it's pro- Connor Garland is definitely on that is definitely on that second line, I think. And then, uh, either you go with JT Miller, uh, or you go with Vasily Podkolzin. Like, what a oh no, what a hard what a hard life you must lead having to choose between one of those two on your second line, yeah. right? That's no a longer good, that's does a- Bo Horvat no longer does Bo Horvat have to play with as Bill Pel- Belichick would call him Jags, just another guy on the on yeah. his uh, on his on his wing, yeah. right? He actually has some decent players. Yeah. And, and then, and that's not even getting into the fact that Tanner Pearson's there. Like Tanner Pearson's also a decent second, second line guy. And And we're going to get chemistry, Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson have together. Like that's a good show. Like they they very well could put Tanner Pearson top six again. Exactly. That's the great part about this, about this team right now is like, there's obviously huge questions on defense, but as far as the forwards go, like that's a group that can keep up with most of the NHL. Like that's a on paper, one of the better, like top nines. 
you can very easily see them being able to shuffle between those groups uh, during the season and get good offensive production out of all of them. There's no real, I'm not really, I'm not necessarily too worried about who plays where, but I do think that right now, I think the odds are that you'll see at least uh, on the idea that Pedersen's of, uh, here for game one, that you might see Hoaglander getting that surprise first line. And I think it might be closer to like something, yeah, like something like uh, Miller, Horvat, Garland on that second. And again, I think with put Coles in, it's a matter of how ready Travis Green feels he is. I think, I think in the early going, he'll do what he did with Elias Pettersson, where he sheltered him a little bit on that third line. I think you'll see him probably playing more with Jason see, Dickinson and Tanner Pearson. I don't know about that because you know the one thing the silly pod Colson has for him is he's very responsible defensively. You watch that, go watch the highlights of that of that game in, in Abbotsford on Monday and. He was tenacious. I would say tenacious when he lost the puck, like way more than than a lot of other rookies we've seen in the past come through here, right? So I think that defensive responsibility is going to, you know, help Pod Colson get a top six spot from the start, right? Like he, like I said, Russian Mark Stone. That's that's his ceiling. I want to see that in action. <laughs> right. I I do agree with you. Like his defensive game is already pretty darn good. I'm more, but I'm more thinking about it just in the sense of like the actually like the defense that will be matching up against him. Bo Horvat's line is going to get a lot of tough defensive minutes. I or like uh, a lot of like the toughest matchups. And you're better off like at least in the early going. Just give him a look against like that third line is not going to get as many of the of the key matchups. I think it's I think it's better for him at the uh, at least to begin with. Again, first like first time against NHL competition to just let him let give him like some more key prime matchups against a couple like of the weaker line lines lines let him build his confidence and then we start getting into the idea of like um of putting him you know up with Bo Horvat on, on or even maybe sometimes playing with Pedersen like on the first two on the first two lines there's no I think what I'm saying more than anything is like there's no rush for me there's no rush I think to put him in the top six if you don't have to and I think that's I think that's important for for a rookie that there's no rush for him I just think the the Canucks sometimes are getting too cute with this like we we know the lotto the last the only time this core has had success is with the lotto line leading the way like why why are we trying to get away from that that's my big question I, and you know what I, I get, and I get all these little, little variations and things to consider. Just go with the lotto line, it, Travis Green. If you're listening to this, just rock with the lotto line, top line, and then you can do, you can play whatever games you want in the middle six. But keep the lotto line together. I'm begging you, please, please. And I mean, and I mean, even in that case, even in that case, like then, oh, then you got Horvat with Hoaglander and Garland. Like that's a that's, that's a, a great, great second, second line. line. That's, that's a, a great. Per, second that's line. an amazing second line. Yeah, that's an amazing second line. Like you're not there again. Like it's it's almost kind of the same conversation we had yesterday with the power play, where they're very interchangeable. Like as much as we like the the lotto line together, there is like there is nothing to there. You're not taking away a whole lot, like juggling between all those guys, like just like uh like shuffling between them. You could put any of those any of like those seven guys together that we've talked about today and make a good case that they would work well like that's and that's and that in itself is a huge strength not a lot of teams have that available to them you look at Edmonton right where uh they have yes they have Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl two of the best players in the game today but because of how little they have around them is sometimes it's really tough for them to get yeah. uh to get the production to get the production out of the other players they have available to them they're getting better at it but it's still they're still a ways off who knows what they could be doing with what you could do with Connor mcdavid and leon dry if they had something a little bit closer to what the canucks 
have right now in terms of just well, in terms of well out like spread out offense. I think that's I think that it's a huge strength for them going into the year that they have so many options at their disposal and there's going to be there's going to be no reason for the Canucks to not try try something new and to not and to not and to get worried if say things don't aren't working out. They'll have plenty of ways to find to find to find success and to find scoring contributions from throughout their lineup. Yeah, you mentioned that a lot of these pieces are interchangeable in the top slicks, uh sat, slash top nine. I think because of that, they have the best top, uh, not the best. I think Vegas still has you know, the best top nine yes. in the uh, in the Pacific Division. I you can make an easy case the Canucks have the second best. Like yeah, you, and you mentioned it. Like I know Edmonton has Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, but who else do they have? Dude, Eugene Hopkins. That's about it. Like it, yeah. their top nine just doesn't compare in terms of depth. And we know, look. How long has McDavid been the best player in NHL? Probably since he got into the league, if we're being First honest. Year. Like, yeah, year one. Year one. Yeah, like he was player. probably the best. And the Oilers hasn't, haven't done anything with him because hockey is a weak link game. It's based on, you know, if you don't have that depth, it's very hard to compete at an elite level. It's not basketball. These guys don't play, you know, 90% of the game. McDavid can't play 90% of the game. He plays, you know, a third of it at, at the most. And that's if. And that's if he gets a ton of power play time. The Oilers have a ton of power plays, right? Like, that's just how hockey works. So because of that, I like. I think that will be the big strength of the Canucks this season is that top six, top nine, rolling over some of the weaker teams in the division. I'm thinking, you know, all the California teams in particular, you know, the uh, the uh, the LA Kings, Anaheim Ducks, San Jose Sharks. Like, yeah, all in rebuild. Yeah, all so or, you know, in the case of the Sharks, about to be probably, right? Like, they're kind of still kind of clinging on, but you know, at some point they're going to have to start rebuilding, right? So you, you you have to be able to roll over those teams using your top six and, and your top nine to have any success of being being a playoff team. And yeah. you, remember you when mention, Marcus you know, Granlin played third line, was on like the second uh, and third line? Remember those days? Yeah. That uh, This Thank is God a nice change of that. pace. A nice change of pace. Yeah, and you know what? We still have, a. I think the Canucks still have a long way to go with their defense, but we can ignore that out of sight, out of mind. Uh, their, top, their top six is at least going to be I think a a very formidable uh, part, and, and and the main and the main way this team generates wins is is through their top six. But uh, that has it for today's episode of Locked On Canucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On your first listen of the day, and make sure your second listen of the day is Locked On Bets. Betting on hockey doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new. Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, the wrong team favorite picks at Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. See you tomorrow.